Hey everybody, welcome. This is Aaron Larson in Life by the Drop. Thanks for joining us. Well, it is here the episode that I promised you. It was two episodes ago I said I was going to do it when Dean and I sat down. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were able to work it out. I got my wife, Kareen, here, so she's going to just talk with us about uh, her experience. I've got my good friend Dean with uh, me as well. Yeah. And uh, again, the goal here, and this is, I would say, a must listen, if you have a spouse or a family member that is wrestling with uh, substance abuse, whether it's alcoholism or drug addiction, this is the episode for you to listen to uh, because we want you to know that there is hope out there. Uh, we'll go through all the messy details. Um, we'll get to see uh, the reality of what Kareen was going through along with what Dean was going through. We were just talking before we came on, and I said they probably have a more lucid recollection of what was happening in, in, in my life and my family's life than I do since I was pretty much out of it. Mm. Uh, but uh, thank you, Kareen and Dean, for joining me. Yes. Yep. Appreciate it. Um, so how we're going to roll this out is uh, going to go all the way back to... Uh, 2012. Mm-hmm. So that was my relapse. So that's when I went into the doctor. I had a back injury. And uh, as soon as I went in there, that little voice just popped up in the back of my head and said, I hope he gives me painkillers. And I was off and rolling. And, and a year mm-hmm. to the month, probably almost to the day, from 2012 to 2013, I was hooked on, I was hooked on opiates. Um, so I was taking my, um, I was taking like 20 Vicodin a day. Uh, I was taking, uh, I don't know, a whole bunch of other stuff. My ADHD medication got down to about 129 and a half pounds at the end of that run. Uh, And I wanted to start there because really that's when my relapse began and it didn't end uh, until I went into treatment in Minnesota at the retreat in 2018. It was June 12th, 2018. Um, So let me ask a clarifying question then because when did I meet you? Was it? Were you still? Were you in the opiate thing? When oh I yeah, you. When the yeah, when we were coming together and we were meeting uh, at the church I was working at. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I was. That was. Oh, okay, okay. That okay, was. Okay. I think it was 20, 2011, 20, When did you guys get yeah, back yeah, on yeah. island? Well, we got back in twenty ten, and so. I think we connected like twenty eleven. Yeah, we had dinner at your house, and I just wasn't sure if at that time it was. Were you guys it, it was pretty fresh because I remember when he went to Minnesota. I didn't feel comfortable enough sharing that he was gone. Right, and what year is that? Because he did a That's little... That's 2013. Yeah, that, he did a 2013 shot. Mm-hmm. Was it 2013? It was a to year... Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, cause I, I came clean October of 2013, so it was, it was exactly a year. I think we were just getting to know you. We weren't close enough yet, I think, yeah. at that point. But we had started meeting... Right. And I know you and I had met at the church I was working at in my office and that like that. And so I was in the throes of it then. So then how clean were you after 2013, before then you picked up alcohol? How long? Um, less than a year. I think I was clean, and then I started using my, my, my Ritalin, my ADHD medication again, maybe I'm uh, yeah. guessing six months after that. <clears throat> and okay. then I thought it was, hey, you know, I'm doing great. Um and one of the key points, too, just for people to understand is um, I had a great community around me. Um, my wife at that time, and I want you to share a little bit about this, of how you, your feelings were about me then as opposed to when we get down into 2016, 2017, when things were getting really bad, 2018. Um, but I had the support, but I wasn't working a program. You know, so here, here I'm a pastor at a church. You know, mm-hmm. I've got a strong relationship with the Lord. Um, and I'm thinking, okay, that's, that's enough. You know, um, and I thought, hey, I'm okay. I got this out of my system. Uh, and then I thought it was okay to start casually drinking. 
and then once a week, went to two times a week with friends, went to three times a week, went to, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to meet down at the bar, and then pretty soon I was uh, taking pain meds again, uh, I was abusing my Rillin again, and then it just, it just in 20, end of 2014, 2015, I was off and rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the time frame in there. Got it. Um, but yeah, so you, yeah, you kind of met me at the beginning, so... But yeah. my weirdness hasn't changed. I'm pretty much just as weird now as I was then, but I'm yeah, sober. But it's very different. It's no, a it, different it, it is different. <laughs> it, it, but you you were hiding, uh, and I don't know, Kareem, what your thing was, and maybe you can share. When he came back from that first 2013 or whenever that was, that first thing and getting clean, from then on, was it pretty much hidden to you? I mean, you knew he would go out, I guess, and drink, but did did you know that you were getting back into a problem? Oh, no. Okay, so you thought he did have it under control. and Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I actually was probably still in denial that the opiate thing was really, really a, that huge of an issue. Mm. I mean, I, the amount of pills he was taking was crazy. I got that, but I think there was something in my mind didn't think, well, he's not necessarily addicted. He can stop whenever he wants. Mm. So let me ask you this. So, you know, I went into work. This is 2013. We'll go back that far. I went into work. Um, and what had happened was I had, I had detoxed myself up to that point three times. And so in detoxing off of opiates is not fun. It's like having the flu, you have body aches, you're sweating, you can't think straight, everything is fuzzy. It's just, it's horrible. And, I, and you're not supposed to do that on your own. You're supposed to go to a doctor and do that. But I did it by myself. Uh, and then the last time I detoxed, it was a forced detox because I couldn't get any more pills. I was out of my ADHD medication. I wasn't really <clears throat> drinking yet at that time. Mm. Um, and so, uh, to be honest, the Lord opened up a door for me to go in to our staff meetings, which I purposefully went to late, so I could sit as far away from, uh, John Honnold was, was, was working with mm. us at that point, so I could sit as far, and he was leading the staff meetings, as far away from John as I could. And when I walk in, the only seat open is right next to him. Mm. And I sit down, and he's about to ask, like, the opening question for staff and have everybody share. And he's just about to say it, and he stops. He goes, you know what? I think, he goes, hold on a second. I think the Lord wants me to share this. And he shares a verse out of the Old Testament saying that uh, uh, a smoldering wick he will not extinguish, and a, a, right. a bent reed he will not break. And that was it. The Lord spoke to me, and I knew that I had to tell him what was going on because mm-hmm. it was just, and it was, it was just that moment, right? And right. It was, for me, it was a moment of clarity. It was God speaking to me and opening up the door for me to make the choice to let somebody in on what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's what started it. And so from there then, John called you, Kareem, and do you remember how that conversation went and what was your reaction? Because this is the first time that you're discovering that I've got a problem even though I've gone from like 150 some pounds down to 129 pounds, um, you were dealing with your own stuff as well. Um, but so what was that conversation like? Like what were your feelings? What was your reaction when John's like, hey, Kareen, how's it going? Uh, I got Aaron here. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sitting at the park. We, do, we did a Wednesday, like mom's kids day every Wednesday afternoon. I'm sitting at the park and I get a call from John and he says, are you sitting down? And I'm like... Nice start. This doesn't sound good when anybody <laughs> nice prompts it like, are yeah. you sitting down? <laughs> I'm like, no, but let me just, you know, step away from the kids. And yeah. so he's, he, he says, well, I just, I just need to tell you that your husband has come and confessed that he's um, been taking all these Vicodin and 
all this and that he thinks he needs to go and get evaluated at Queens. And I'm fresh out of cancer treatment. Like it, it hasn't even been a year since I finished all my treatments. And so I'm like, seriously, wow. like I was pretty stunned in the moment. <laughs> Going back to the that hospital. I was hearing this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so from there I went straight to a friend's house and she helped me kind of process through it. Um, because I wasn't ready to see him right away in the moment, just because I was so shocked. I, I don't even know what to, th- I didn't know what to think in the moment. So let me ask you this. Would it have made a difference? Because I chickened out. I just plain and chickened out. And, I, and John's like, why don't you call Karina? I'm like, I am not making that phone call. And so what was going through my mind and my heart was shame, guilt, mm. disappointment. Mm. Um, uh, I don't know if you had suspected anything at all at that point. No. Um, so there wasn't, I mean, I was, okay. <laughs> not that there's a degree of lying. Lying is lying. But there was less hiding it because, um, because you weren't aware. Like when I started when I when I started drinking a couple of years or a year or so later after that I was radically hiding that when it was a problem like mm. I made sure you had no clue. Um, would it have made a difference if I would have called and said, "Hey, honey, this is what's going on," or if the message is delivered in a different way, or if I would have come home and said, "Hey, I just sat down and I think I need some help from this." Would it have been easier for you to take? No, I don't think so. Okay. Actually, I think that was probably the way that I needed to hear it was from somebody else. Okay. Otherwise, I might not be here today because you might have just taken me out. I might have taken and me I want to know how, if you could say that your relationship with Aaron at the time, the strength of your relationship between zero and 10, 10 being super awesome, let's say, bef- or right when you got that call, what number would you kind of say so that we can kind of track the journey that you're saying one is awesome or 10 no, is awesome? 10, 10 is, is awesome. awesome. Yeah. 10's always awesome. You know, I, here's the thing I would say that it was more around maybe a six, right? because I remember um, telling a friend, because Aaron used to have these really crazy outbursts. He would just, he, he would lose it over just the littlest things. His temper would mm. flare and he would start yelling and he would just lose it. And I remember telling my friend at the beach one day, I don't know how long I can handle this mm. anymore. Like he just loses it and I can't, there, there's no peace in our home. Mm. So, um, but before that, like when I was going through all the cancer treatment stuff, I would say we were really close because he was like in it with me, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't absent, yeah. he wasn't distracted, he was in it. But after that was done, it just fell into this place of, it was, it was difficult. So yeah. I wouldn't say we were like doing really, really well. Right, right. And I think from my perspective at that point, you know, or during those months, that, that year, knowing that you know, that your marriage, I didn't know about those other things that were happening, but just already knowing that it was like a six, you know what I'm saying? And it was wavering at a six already. So just so folks know, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of pieces there. Yeah. And, and, and to speak to that too, <clears throat> um, now this sounds weird. This is almost counterintuitive, but really the drugs and the drinking weren't the problem. That was my solution to where I was at. So the reason I'm having these outbursts with Kareen and the reason I'm getting mm. frustrated and I'm, and I'm yelling is because inside I feel like I'm worthless. Mm. You know, I was, I was, ex- I mean, really, really performance based in my personality right. and in my, my self-worth. It's like if I couldn't please somebody or I can do the best job or if I did a job and I didn't, I, I felt like, you know, wow, one out of 10 people said, ah, it could have been better. I would be devastated. Mm. So my, my, so it was really the sense of self-worth. So, um, you know, really the relapse into taking the Vicodin was honestly, I had a back injury, but I remembered from like 13, 15 years ago when I had stopped doing drugs 
my, your brain remembers. It's, it's part of the way that an, an addict's brain is, re, is wired is it remembers that. Um, and You're saying it remembers what it's like to take drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. as soon as that's awakened again, that, right. literally that voice just kind of goes, yeah, yeah you, pathways, you, you like this. The pathways just yeah, light up it's, again. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and so I, didn't, I, mean, I didn't go into the doctor's office going, wow, I'd really love to become a drug addict and like, ruin my marriage and my family and like, you know, lose right. my job or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I just want nice. people to understand that we're at a six be- because I don't know how to communicate. Mm. I don't know how to meet the needs and listen to what Karina is asking me to do because mm. I'm, I'm the classic um, just on the inside, my mind would never shut off. It was mm. always, always going. It was always, um, I had catastrophic thinking where I just assumed yeah, right. the worst thing in the world was always going to happen. Mm. Like, um, and it, yeah, so that's kind of how my brain was out of control. And so Yeah, and I remember just jumping forward a bit after you left that job and then you went to the next one and then left that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it was like a month. I mean, it, you know, we were meeting, the three of us would meet just on, just trying to get that six higher. We were just talking marriage stuff, communication stuff. But we knew that there was, like what you're talking about, we were hitting some of those roots and I'm thankful for that all those months because I think those probably helped create the trust and the strength that the three of us probably needed to make it through what we did. Oh, yeah. Even though it wasn't breakthrough at the time. I mean, there were breakthrough moments. There were things that God really did. But um, but I do remember when the second job and you left. And, I mean, it was like a week later. And I was like, what did Kareem say? And you were, te- we would text. <laughs> it was just this like, is so bad. It's bad. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I ever told you that, Kareem. No, but it was just like, oh, I, oh yeah, oh, I'm in a do this thing and I'm going to tell her on this thing. I just got to wait for this one thing. Like for you, Aaron, it was always like, I'm waiting for this one thing. Everything is always waiting for the state, waiting for my job, waiting for the check, waiting for everything. Everything was always waiting for this thing. And, uh, I mean, that's the way you were before. Yeah. Um, but that's where I think the manifestation of his shame piece where, you know, I can't face my wife until I can get this other thing. These people said there might be another thing I can do a job thing. And they're, they're paying me until this point. And, but it was just, and then it would be like a week later, and I'd be like, yo, what is the deal? Um, you know, and I'd call other friends. Yeah. And other guy friends are, are asking you, brah. And then we just start to get into like, dude, you have to tell your wife. Uh, yeah. What the heck is going on here? Yeah, because this was, I think it was at least a good two solid months I knew that I was, my job was ending. Mm. Oh, yeah. I, it was right after Christmas, and I think I'm waiting for the first paycheck of January. That's right. And I've got, like, I do all the bills in our house, so I'm waiting to pay bills. And we're super, super tight, so, like, we don't have extra money. And we just came off Christmas. And I'm like, payday, I always check. There is no money. Honey, call my call Aaron right away. Like, honey, is there a reason why there's no money in the bank right now? Like, you didn't get paid. Can you find out? Because I haven't had a job for two months, and, like... They paid (laughs) me till the end of the year, but that was it, and so, yeah. I think that was the other thing, too, that he knew it was Christmas, and, I mean, this, the the pressure and the shame was... Yeah, Yeah, I mean, again, I was... It was... It was horrible. I would go to work, clean out the books from my office, clean up everything... And the place I was working was so patient with me. Like, like we, we decided mm. it was done, yeah, and they're like, we're going to give it to the end of the year, you know, you just and use this time. And they were asking me, so what do you got going? Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, this and that. And I was covered in so much shame that I just, I could, I literally just couldn't even face you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't yeah, face you. Yeah, because screen. when I called him and asked him, he still couldn't tell me in the moment what was going on. He's like, well, 
let me just figure it out. Or really? I'll talk I can't. To I don't even yeah, I was like, at all. Well, uh, let me talk to you later or something about oh, yeah, it. Like I you was. wouldn't tell me. It took a little bit of prompting to get it out of him right. that he had been let go from his job. Yeah, yeah. and and they were gracious when you because I remember after now your 2018 Minnesota. Um, yeah, you had to go back. You had to make amends, and I remember you know you sharing a little bit with me having to go back to all of these various churches. Yeah, yeah. Ministries. Yeah. Bosses. Yeah. Um, and actually you held on to, there was two individuals at that job specifically. I remember that you held on to for a while. I mean, it might've taken you a year, I think for the, for the senior pastor. Yeah, it was, it was, it was almost, uh, and I think for the other guy who kind of hired you, the admin guy, you know, it was, it was rough, but because you were drinking during that time. Yeah. 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 And, and that's, and and here's the difference that, that, that was so, so freeing is when, so, I mean, it's, there's a lot of moving parts in this, as you guys both know. Mm. So to go back to what you were saying and work up to this point, Dean, you know, when you were meeting with us, Kareen was working her butt off, going through the book that mm. you got us, mm. which I eventually sold so I had money to get alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I've admitted this to him before. But anyways. Um, and, and, and those and, are the hard, and I just want to interrupt you there, but to Kareen, you know, those are the hard, those were the hard, it's, there's, there's small things, but they were hard things like, I don't know if I gave him 50 bucks, like on the way to Minnesota in oh, 2018. Yeah. And then when he oh, came yeah. back and he's like, bro, I went to the airport bar and just like and blew it all just to get get alcohol. I mean, there were some rough things that he that I had to, t- to take. But some of those things, because there was like deception involved. Yeah. You know? So I know for you, it just must be times 100. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the, the things that he had to confess to me. Um, anyway, I'd love to know what your amends was like. I've never actually asked you guys what that was like. I mean, I know we're going to get there, but... <clears throat> for me, just some of those things of c- having him to have to confess to me some of those things and how that hit me. Um, and, you know, for me, I just, uh, yeah, no, I forgive you or whatever, but I think it took me time in my heart because, you know, you love him and I'm just mm-hmm. like, wow, you, I, I believe in you. So there's that unconditional love aspect that responds. Yeah, but there's a process of healing that you have to I go through, to through and that Korean obviously thing. is going through. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, like, traumatic. So, anyway, I, that's what I'd love for you to share, Kareem, um, you know, soon is, is what, <laughs> at some point. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, so and let, let, me, let me set that up for you, too, because, on, so on my part, the difference in the, in the change is this. Again, that the drinking and the drugs and that was what I thought my solution to life was, right? right? right, right, um, right. And, again, like, I go back to my, my early 20s and teens. It was partying. That's what, I mean, it was fun. You're partying, whatever, um, and then I, you know, I quit from 20 or from 1995 until 2012. So whatever, I don't know the math on that. Whatever. Right. So whatever that is. Yeah. Um, and so, so this time around, it was not a party. It was never a party. It was, right. I got, I got, I, I, I relapsed and it was just maintaining life and it was maintaining fear, trying to forget about the shame, just trying to hustle and just trying to just exist, right? Wait, so what, so let me ask you, so what was that? Like, what would you say the motivation is to numb? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got, for me personally, and I think it's different for, you know, for every addict or whatever you're struggling with, but for me, um, uh, that initial, taking that first couple of Vicodin, walking out of the doctor's office and just remembering this feels good and like, wow, I don't have Mm -hmm. any worries. And it starts out like that for a moment. And then after that, as I'm realizing, oh, I'm taking like four or five a day. Now I'm taking like six. Oh, wait, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm already mm-hmm. through that bottle of 30 pills. It's only been like four days. Like, mm-hmm. And you realize that then it's just trying to maintain. And then you're hiding it because you're so ashamed that this is happening. And then you're physically hooked. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you're physically addicted. Your body needs it or you go through withdrawals and you're mentally addicted. Like I can't function if, if I don't have this in my system. My mm-hmm. brain's not going to work. Yeah. And it's just hell. It, it is really hell. And I tell you, there's nothing that anybody could have said to me that would have made me feel any worse because I already hated myself mm. as much as a person could hate themselves. I mean, mm. um, and so, so, and this is, this is the night and day from that transformation of, of, um, of coming back from treatment in 2018. And I was afraid because I had to face Kareem, you know, and I had to make all these different amends. I had to face you and I had mm. to, um, there was fear there, but there was no shame. I was I was grounded in my relationship with the Lord. Um, I was I was ready to face whatever was ahead of me because mm-hmm. I had no choice. Because I knew running away, it never worked. Right. I knew that drugs and alcohol were no longer an option to numb out. So I'm gonna man up. Gonna I'm gonna it. work my program. I've done my inventory. I've asked God for forgiveness. I've confessed mm-hmm. that to another person. I've been prayed for. I've, I've processed through all this stuff gone through the 12 steps and, and that really did give me a foundation because really that is what rooted me back into Christ was really the 12 steps of AA. Yeah, so, um, so, so I was, I mean, I was, I was mortified having to face Kareen and, and what am I going to say and how am I going to make amends and how am I going to do that? But I knew that I had to do it and I yeah. didn't want to hide anymore. And that, that's the difference that was there. Yeah. It's, it, it's always blown me away. Like the shame, the lack of shame piece. It's, it, that was mind blowing. I never asked you, Kareen. Like, for me, he would call me, and he'd say, I'm going to call Kareen next or whatever. He would call me while he was at treatment, maybe once a week or twice a week. I can't remember. I could, the first two weeks, you were there for, what, 30 days? Yeah, 30 days. You know, from I'm just saying from my perspective, it didn't feel yet there was breakthrough. For me, it took, like, two weeks. I don't know when it really happened for you, maybe. I, I don't know if there was kind of a breakthrough, but... It definitely felt the second two weeks when I talked to him, there was a difference. What was your take when you would talk to him? And what were you thinking like? <laughs> really, honestly, I was just angry. I yeah, was, yeah. every conversation with him, it was me pretty much just telling him how angry I was. Right. And how unfair it was and all the stuff he did to me and what I had to think about now and how I was alone being a single mom and I had to contemplate what life was going to look like whether I was going to take him back or not. So every conversation we had pretty much would be a fight. And I was just angry. I guess that's why he was calling me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, Kareem. My time's running out. Um, Because at this this point, I just, I had no more patience and no more tolerance. I was so over it. I was just like, I got nothing. I got nothing left to give you to be gracious. I I wanted to rewind too real quick though. Sorry. Because I think the other point that I had mentioned that I wanted you to speak into Kareem was, um, I believe, and one thing that I learned through this was right before he went, I guess after I kicked him out of my house, and then he called you, you know, and there was that whole dynamic. And I can't remember how long after that you just you just finally drew a line. Can you describe and tell us what happened there? Because it feels to, feels to me like I told him a thousand times, you need to get help, you need to go full on, you need to get the heck out of here. It feels like you, and I just wonder if that's almost a principle. I don't know, I'm just learning, but until the spouse or the closest person to that person just says, you know what, you're out until you can get yourself together. Talk to us about how that went. Honestly, I was dealing with a lot of my own stuff at that time too. Mm. Like the thought of being on my own, there was a lot of codependency that was going on. And I had recognized that too through this whole process. 
And so um, it took me a while to even get to that. Because I remember telling you the first time I kicked him out of the house, like, I was like, he can't go away. Like, he's got to figure it out at home. Because the first time he went with the opioids, mm. he came back and he said, I feel like I just need to go to Minnesota for, I think it was two weeks. Yeah, like 10 days. And I was like, mm. I... I was like, you're abandoning me. You're abandoning me. You just wow. gave me all this news. We have no money coming in. You're abandoning me. And so that was kind of the first taste, and, and I didn't like the way that felt. So the second time when it got so bad, and I remember kicking out of the house, I was like, I remember telling you, like, he's got to figure it out at home. Like, he can't go. Because I think you were questioning, like, maybe he needs to go away for treatment. And I'm like, no, he needs to stay on island. I need him here. So I was in my own place of wrestling with what I needed and what I wanted. Mm. And so I wasn't ready to let him go. Mm. It's almost like you had a bottom. Yeah, no, I mean, I was going through my own process through this. It's almost like you needed to hit a rock bottom, kind of. Kind of. I mean, there was a lot of self-awareness and a lot of places that God wanted to do some deep work in my own life. And I think this was very much a catalyst to bring all of that to the surface and springboard me forward. Because I remember he came home after your place because he had that breakthrough. And then, do do we remember what month that was? I don't know how long. Springtime, maybe? It was definitely spring. Because I remember he was home and I thought thought he had finished drinking. Like, I I believed, okay, he's done. I didn't realize the process that he needed to go through to actually really get detoxed. And so, after that crazy time you guys had with him, I remember um, thinking, oh, he's fine now. And then it was fine for a little while. And then like six weeks later, it kind of did get weird a little bit again. And then we started fighting again. And and that's, well, and that's, that's when you spent that whole day with me, Dean. And I finally figured out, hey, I need to do the outpatient at one of the local. So I think that was the time too. Yeah, We we tried to do it at home. Um, So the outpatient, that means that you can live at home, but then you just come in. Yeah. So it was like three hours a day, three days a week. Um, and yep. I think I made it to four, four I think I went three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, went three that, days. And that was frustrating for me because I remember him coming home and me thinking, and he had a, a friend that struggled with alcoholism saying, hey, I'll take you to the meetings. I'll go to as many meetings as you want and I'll go with you. The and friend I, was saying that. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, I yeah. remember thinking, because Aaron would make excuses or he would go late, and I remember us fighting and me saying, if you were serious about this, you would be going every yeah, day. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. He just still excuses during this time. And the same yeah. thing for me, and I think that's that's how we know that he had a hit rock bottom. He wasn't owning it. Anytime you have to nag him, if I'm having to right. remind him, I'm like, brah. So it, I think that's the key, though, to me then was there in the midst of all that and try this out, page, you have to stay here. How did you finally get to the point where you said, get the H out, <laughs> get <laughs> uh, yourself, or you can't come back? That conversation I do it, remember. Um, yeah, he had... I think he had taken the kid somewhere and he was coming home and he had hit a car. Not really hard. I think he had like bumped a car backing up or I, I can't remember. Cause I remember he came into the house. We were living in Manoa and he was just irate. Like he was mm. temper flaring, all this stuff going, you know, just mood, just the mood, the kind of mood where you just kind of stand back and you're like, Oh, you know, like I don't want to engage with you. And I remember thinking in that moment, he just has to go. Yeah. For, it, and it, it was honestly actually more for me than it was for him. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I just need you to go because I can't be around you anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't deal with your temper. I can't deal with the ups and downs. I can't deal with the moods, the depression. I'm like, you just need to go. And at the time, 
his cousin had offered him a ticket to Minnesota. So I was like, you just need to go. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know where you're going to go in Minnesota or how you're going to get into treatment, but you just have to go. Mm. Um, and I think this was around Memorial Day in May. Yeah, because I, I, I flew to Minnesota on, on Memorial Day. That Monday, I think I, flew, I, I landed in. And so, and so this is what's interesting. And, and again, if, if you're in the shoes of where Kareen was at, um, so I would say that both you guys... And I'm saying this looking back with, you know, clear headed now. Um, you guys, where you guys made the right decisions was this. Um, you guys, you guys did set boundaries. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and to be honest, I, I really wanted to live within the boundaries that you set, right? Um, uh, but part of uh, an, an addict's brain and thinking is that drive to, and this is what's counterintuitive to alienate those who are closest to you hmm. because you feel in that moment that there's going to be the grace of forgiveness because these are the people who are closest to me in this time, people who are trying to help me, my wife who loves me, my good friend Dean who loves me. I mean, they're bending over backwards for me. And yet then you, there's sometimes there's a thought that goes through your brain that, well, hey, these, you know, I can push it a little bit more with these guys, mm. right? So when you kicked me out of the house the first time, when I didn't realize I was being kicked out. I went to coffee with Dean and Dean's like, so you're going to be staying with me for a few days. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. What, what, what just happened? Yeah. Kareem needs you to not be around anymore. And I was like, ah, oh, oh, okay. I'm just clueless. Right. And then Dean, you made the, you know, so you can stay here and you sleep on the couch. Um, uh, but no drinking. Don't talk to Kareem. That's right. Those, yeah, those are, are the boundaries. <laughs> right. Can you please um, not do those two things? Yeah. Uh, and I think I made it, 24 hours, you did. I made a whole day? Yeah, you made it a whole okay, day. Okay, I mean, so I made it a whole day. A day and a half, maybe. day and a half. I think, yeah, almost two days, I think. It was the second yeah. night, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it broke that, too. Um, uh, so it, you're it, saying, when, and then I kicked you out the next yeah, morning. Yeah, and that's the best thing that you guys could have done. Right, so I needed that. You needed that, right? Because right. I needed to know that there was there was literal physical consequences to my actions. Right. And again, again every addict could be different. You know, um, there's resources out there for people to, 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 and professionals that you can get advice from it and how to you know, intervene in somebody or, or how to, to do that. Because, um, cause I know I did, I mean, I did hit my rock bottom. I mean, I almost died. Um, I was hallucinating auditorial and visually because that, that's how bad my alcoholism had progressed. I was verbally abusive and emotionally abusive to Kareen. It wasn't, I mean, mm. the kids wanted nothing to do with me. The dog didn't like me. Mm. It was awful. Um, and so I don't, there, you know, the, the only two things that were really, uh, possible for me at that point was either losing my family completely or dying. Those are the only two options left on the table for me. But I want to give people hope out there that you don't have to hit rock bottom that if you're, if you're in a place where like Kareem was just sharing, drawing that line, like you've got to go. Um, when you suspect something is happening, you know, just ask the questions, just find out what's going on and, and, and draw that boundary line because mm-hmm. You don't have to have your life explode for you to get help. It's just having that moment of clarity of going, wait a minute, yeah, I think I do need help. Because when I did the outpatient, I wanted, I wanted to do an inpatient. But because I knew you didn't want me to yeah. leave, mm-hmm. I didn't want to let Kareen down again. Mm. So, I, so I extended this by a, a few months because I wasn't courageous enough to say, the best thing for me to do is to get inpatient and get that actual help I need because mm. I can't help my fel- and, myself. And do you think that, Kring, your, yeah, like your codependency and your fears oh, it were it. holding that Oh, it, I, I asked the same question because 
There were so many, as when I look back now, there's so many markers where I was like, I knew something was wrong. Like what? Like name some of those out too, just so people can um, understand like what you were actually seeing or feeling or sensing. Uh, I remember once going to the back of our house to where we put our recycling and opening up the recycling bin and there were all these alcohol bottles. And I just remember my stomach sinking and I'm like, what the heck? And I, and I knew we lived on a street where people would stick their like alcohol bottles in the hedges. <laughs> in our hedges so yeah. I knew that some of that, but I'm just like, there are so many bottles in here. It can't just be from our hedges. And I remember going to Aaron and asking about it and him having an excuse. And yeah. so, you know, there's so much inside of me that didn't want it to be true right. that I, I would take the excuse. Or um, I remember we were in Kansas City visiting my parents and we were getting ready to leave where we were staying and I was cleaning out the fridge and I found an, a bottle and I'm just like, He's never brought alcohol. It, it's pretty much hidden from me because it wasn't like just sitting in the fridge. It was like under stuff in the drawer. It was under a loaf of bread. I and had so it hidden. So I'm like, what? I remember exactly where I hid it. Oh, and, I'm, and I remember bringing that to him too. I'm like, honey, like, why is this in the fridge? Why are you? Because no. where we were staying, he wasn't supposed to have alcohol on the premises. Like right. that was one of the rules of staying in the property. And him, again, having an excuse. And I was like, okay, well, I don't want you drinking at all, okay? Like, so again, something inside of me saying there's something going on, but I don't. Mm. I, I mean, I was the same. Right? Yeah, like, I was the same. I mean, I, I didn't want to believe, you know, and I think one of the things, again, like I said, that hurt me was point blank asking multiple times and him coming up with this. It's, oh, it's back in the day. This stuff is just kind of the doctor said it's weird. It's stuck in my, yeah. he had this weird thing about all his, remember, like his silver in his mouth and this it, thing it's, is like, it, uh, yeah, it was, it's releasing stuff. <laughs> I mean, we're <laughs> talking about actor. Oh, the I mean, smell? It, because yeah, of the smell? this thing. Yeah. And I was just like, bro, are you sure? Because this, you know. And, you know, our other friend who also has a history of drug and alcohol, <laughs> he's like, bro, this guy's tweaked, guarantee 100%. Well, no, I, I remember asking him that, too. Like, he, he would just And I'm like, smell. I've asked him. Yeah, it was weird. And there was a bad day at the beach. Do you remember this? So this was one of those times for, for me that I didn't want to believe. And all our friends were there. And you guys had fought, so you didn't come. And um, There's and nobody then, aquarium. It, 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 oh, yeah, I don't, yeah, it was a weird place. We barely ever met there. Yeah. You then dug out, you must have got some alcohol, and then you came back. And then when you were saying goodbye to all of us, and I remember one of our close friends was like, came up to me after, he's like, bro, you know, he smells like alcohol. And then you jumped in the car with these ki- your kids. Yeah, it was so bad. And that's when I called you. It was actually, it actually, I did do something about it, and it, it actually was one of, that's when you stopped me. Because you were like, no, because I said, I have to get Aaron, and I have to take him with me. And you're like, no. And your fear was that the kids if he doesn't come back home, then the kids are going to know something's wrong. And I fought with you on the phone. I remember this. It's kind of coming back to me now. So I must have stopped you or something. And I said, wait. And then I think I called because now I'm thinking if this is legit and you're in a car with yeah. your children. And I didn't understand the functional alcohol thing or the fact that you can actually <laughs> like function in life somehow. With, and, but you can only if you're an extreme alcohol um, alcoholic. But that's another example, I think, where both you and I, um, where your fear and my not wanting to believe it. But I remember getting out of the car and talking to you for a while and saying, I, I, he, can, he has to stay at my house. Um, and this is before confession. This is before any of these. These were just these little, yeah, these little that. markers that were popping yeah. up. But it was short, shortly after that. It was, it was just a, a snowball after that that yeah. finally he confessed. Yeah. Or you caught him or I can't remember. Yeah, I, I look back now and I'm just kind of like, it's kind of crazy how much denial I was in because the smell thing too, like yeah. 
he had me going on a wild goose chase and I'm looking and I'm Googling like, why would a person smell like alcohol? And I'm coming up with this syndrome and that syndrome. And I'm telling my friends, I think he's got this or he's got that because why would he be drinking? Or the, the white party night. Yeah. Oh, yeah, gosh. Yeah, 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 so yeah. we're heading to go to the white party and we get to the place to, to get on the bus and we're getting out and he totally just passes out. Unreal. And we're at the ER. We're getting to the ER and I'm telling him, I think he's having a stroke. I think he's having a stroke. So they rush us in. And they've got him hooked and up, like, and they're giving him alcohol. fluids, and they're giving the tests. And then they come in towards the end, they're like, well, his alcohol level is, like, off the charts. And I'm like, there's no way that he's been drinking. He's and, been with me all day. Like, there's sat, just no way. And I sat there straight-faced, because the doctor said, hey, you know, do you want, he wanted to talk just to me. And, and I knew what he was going to say. Mm. And um, maybe part of me wanted to get caught. I, I don't know. But I remember going, no, no, you can say it in front of her. And the fact that then I actually spun that to where your denial was enforced. And it's just awful. It's horrible. And and talking about horrible, I just wanted to, before we get to (laughs) the amends, I want to get to the amends because I've never heard your story. But this is something else I've never asked you either, Kareem. So sorry to take it a little deep here. Oh, no, that's fine. How... I, uh, let's talk about the, these phone calls that you would call me and he's mm. berating you in the background saying mm-hmm. the most awful things, right? So I know that that was happening probably times 10. I was not a part of all of those. So mm-hmm. so how did you make it, honestly? And like, I guess not, I mean, I'm, I want to ask you, I guess today, how you're doing, right? We're two, three years out of this. Or I, I don't know how long you've been sober. Two years, seven months. Okay, so. A lot of days. You're, that's like PTSD level. Like yeah, this right. abuse, you know, it's verbal oh, yeah. abuse. It's emotional. Now he's lying to us all, right? Those are the things. I, I, I had like 10, I experienced like 10%, you know, of, of what any friend would ever want to experience. You are living it, you know, times 100, right? So how did you make it? And like, can you just tell us about how, how, how you're doing today? You know, knowing that that's straight up trauma. To me, that's like straight up trauma. It is, it is. PTSD, like, how are you doing today on that? Um, can I say, by only by the grace of God, am yeah. I still here? <laughs> the truth, absolutely. No, honestly, I think, I mean, yes, definitely yeah. um, God was crazy huge. Yeah, yeah. I think second would be um, the fact that God placed us in this community with all of you at this time. Like, I don't think the timing could have been better because had I not had somebody to call at midnight when my husband is like off the rails and I've just put my hand into a mirror to break him out of it and it, you know, it's not happening. If I hadn't been able to call people with the realness of what was, and I'm, I'm kind of, I grew up in Asian households, so you don't want to air laundry. You don't want people to know things are bad right. behind the door. Right. So to be able to have a community to be just open and honest. And I remember there's so many times when we were on the phone and I was like just desperately wanting you or Holly or Kimmy, whoever was on the other side mm-hmm. of the phone to hear what was happening in the background so that you could just get a glimpse of yeah. what life was like in the house Yeah. because the fights were out of, they're, they're just out of control and mm-hmm. um, a lot of gaslighting where all of a sudden it was my fault for everything. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and so. I remember the stealing um, the money and then you're confused. Oh, yeah. And it's like he's stealing and. That's what I'm saying is like the full blown manipulation on top of the abuse, you know, and mm-hmm. the yelling. Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm saying is this, like there were so many times that you and I would, would meet either on the phone or for coffee, especially when he left too. But even before that, and your phrase always was, I didn't sign up for this. Gosh, you guys remember that awful time I came in the morning 
and you ended up throwing the remote at the... That was when it really started to come out. Like, you cussed. You said the F word. I've never heard you say that. And then you threw the remote at the ground, and you, you went outside, and then he had to take a walk. And I, it was like, I'm oh, this thing is done. And I was just trying to figure this out and manage it. There was something, though, Korean, in the midst of all of that. I didn't sign up for this. This is not what I planned for my life and all of this. What kept you in it? Because I guess what I've never asked you or fully never understood. Because I, I walked you through it all. Yeah, I, and, I th- and I think it's not just a simple answer. I think there was a lot of fear. Again, I think, mm. I think there was a lot of fear on the other side of, like, if I were to leave, what would I do? Right. And then I think there's a dynamic that's dead still. Like, I believe in him. Like, mm. I, I believe him to be a good man, and we can have a good life and a good ministry. And so there, I think I was always holding on to that, too. Right. Um, and I think there is still that denial of, like, it's not as bad as it is. Or even when he came out with alcoholism, I was like, oh, but he can kick this. Like, I don't know. You know, the, I don't think the seriousness of how much help he needed was until he went to Minnesota is when it finally said into me, like, oh, like, he could come back from Minnesota and still have major issues. Right, right. That was a big fear you kept on saying, because I remember you saying on the phone when we would talk a couple of times, just like, especially at the end when I was getting ready to be released, if you are, I don't think, I don't know how you put it, something like, if you're not fixed, or if you're not, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, done with this, like, you have, you know, I'd worn out my grace period. Like, if, like, if you drink again, like, you have to be done with this, Aaron. And, mm-hmm. or, or, or we're over. That, that's it. And that's why I didn't want him to come back. I was not for him coming back after those 30 days. I don't know if, I, if you, you and I even talked about it, but he was trying to get in that halfway house or whatever yeah. you called yeah, it. Yeah, so I, that, that set me off again. I'm like, what? You're going to be there longer? You've been I gone that for two months already, and you're saying you might be right. gone for another three? I think three. none of us I'm were like, down with him coming back. Because there was also so much turmoil about where we were living yeah. and the organization we were working with and the dynamics, and I'm like, you're leaving he- me here with this to crazy with mess everything. to deal with on my own. Right, right, right. And you're just over there... You know, not having a good time, but like you don't have to worry about all this stuff here. You're just focusing on you. Yeah. Well, I think that you talking about being a single parent, like that was a phrase that had never come up before, really, like it did when he was gone. I, I terrified. Like I'd say that's one of my top fears is being a single parent. I just I watch single parents. They, they are, some of the strongest people as I watch them provide for their kids, and I'm like, I just don't know if I have it in me to do it. So I think there was a lot of fear behind it and you know I I wanted it to work like I didn't want this to end in divorce I didn't want to walk away and so I think hope springs eternal I think I we would because he was always good he would fight we would fight at night and it would get crazy and then he would fall asleep and then he would wake up almost fine like and he would come to his senses and he would apologize Mm -hmm. and he would say I know that I did this wrong you know like so it wasn't something that drug out for days. It was like we'd have right. a blowout. In the morning, he'd confess. He'd make it right. That's what, that's what ask made for it forgiveness. Yes. And that so, almost made the descent slower. Right, right. right. It's kind of like, oh, okay, it's not as bad. You right. kind of forget right. the flipping abusive dra- trauma that yeah. you right. experienced. So it was a cycle that we just went through over and over again. And yeah. I guess I just have a really patient, like, my will... <laughs> <laughs> no, because you know the way, you know when you talk about that re you know he won't extinct them yeah God. yeah like that's where you were yeah. to me absolutely in the months leading up to and then definitely those thirty days plus or whatever when he was gone I mean I remember sitting there going how is this woman there's like a thread like oh I hope when you you can say it now like that but I'm like when I, we were living it 
I was like, is this, what is that thread? It just fascinated me, I guess. And I just was wondering, not that I was for you leaving him. I just was like, what is she leaning on? And I know it's the Lord in that sense, but I'm saying that there has to be something here that's causing her to not let go of that thread right. of, of hope, of something. Um, and I think you, people can have that while they have the stronger boundaries. And I think somewhere in me, I knew that that's probably what you were saying on the phone too. You know, I didn't know that you were berating him maybe or whatever, but, mm-hmm. but basically saying like you, this will only work one way when you own this and get cleaned out. Yeah. And I had to spend a lot of time with the Lord when he was on at, in rehab because my frame of mind to get past the fear and to be able to hold the boundaries and make those choices. Like I, I had to totally examine myself right. and I had to spend so much time with the Lord and let him speak to me. I mean, I was watching message after message and I was in the word and journaling like crazy. And, mm. um, and I, there was, I had so much revelation and it felt like every message that I listened to was pertaining to my situation and gave me strength to move forward. And mm. I mean, what I pictured for my life was not divorce. So it was like, I felt like there was a promise there at the end. Yeah, and I guess that's what I'm wondering is that was there a door closed there? Even if you would kind of, you would say everything basically up to that moment. But do you think there is a part of it in your mind that was like, I'm just not going to go through that door? That you would just keep butting up against that boundary? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. And I, th- I, w- I, I want to be very honest, honest and say that I think a lot of it was fear. I would say yeah, at yeah, least yeah, 50%, yeah. if not more, oh, yeah. was the fear of like, right. if I give up <clears throat> and I leave. No, right. So I'm just going to hold out a little bit longer and see if it changes. Yeah. I'm just going to hold out a little longer if we can. And, you know, we were meeting with you and then, you know, and so. Right. And I'm not endorsing any kind of abuse in that or sticking around and getting beaten up. I'm right. saying. Yeah. And let's, just for the record. There was no physical abuse. <laughs> I just want to make sure. Sorry. Not, that, not, that, not that emotionally verbal abuse is, is, is acceptable, right? So it was when I would get intoxicated, I would, we would get into arguments and I would just say the most horrible things to you. Yeah. Uh, and I only that remember. I can't even repeat. Yeah. And I wouldn't <laughs> want you know, somebody. Well, we went to a counselor and we'd been going to one, I think, before. Right? Or no, after this. It was after. Afterwards. And, and, and I, somebody who had, I'd been seeing before and I just said, yeah, I said things to my wife I would never say. And the counselor was like, well, well, what was that? I said, I, I can't even repeat it. Like, no, it's okay. I'm just like, no, it's not. I, nobody should ever say this to, to their wife. It's awful. Just think of the worst things you could ever say. And I was saying those things. So how are you, <clears throat> tell us a little bit about how you processed that to where you are today. And where are you today too? I'd, I'd uh, I'm, I'm in a really, I'm in a really good place. I would say there, there's still some trigger points that come up mm. here and there. Like I think we had one the other night. Yeah. Um, when he got back from rehab, it, there was a, a very strong boundary that I had laid for him. Mm-hmm. And um, I was still very, very angry. Mm. And I think I was looking for a little bit of, I don't know if payback is the right word, but for him to make it right. Mm. Like, I, I think I was waiting for my turn. And so he comes home and he tells me, well, right now, all I can really focus on me and my sobriety. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, what is my turn? Like, you put me through hell for how many years? You just left for two months. And now you're saying I still have to wait. Yeah, yeah. Um, so but th- you were a part of that process, too. But it, and, so, and let me clarify, too, because this is really important for people to understand, is that I could be of no use to anybody 
if I wasn't stable myself, right? right. And, and again, you know, as far as like, you know, and this is the first time I heard that you guys are saying he should stay longer. So this is the first time I'm hearing yeah. that from you guys. I think from me your and point all, of view. Our, all the friends were like, this is <laughs> not you never, keep, Yeah, you never said keep that. Keep them there. I wasn't sure. I wasn't, and for me Flights too, are canceled. Was, <laughs> it was like a pre-COVID thing. Like, yeah, no, right. there's, a, there's a disease that broke out. You can't. I, I, I also wonder, though, if there was something in me that was like, I don't want to get back into this oh, either. Yeah. Probably. I, I think. Because, yeah, again, I mean, I put you both. The fact that we're sitting here having this conversation right. is a miracle in itself. It is. Uh, my, my addiction counselor, Dr. Nikki, that I still see now once a month, um, she reminds me of how blessed I am. Mm. To have the friends like you that I have, Dean. Mm. To have the wife that I have like you, Kareem. 100%. Um, because she's like, Aaron, nobody gets to the point in, in their disease of alcoholism that you did and has friends and a family left. She said, mm. and, that's a, and that's by the, literally by the grace of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think about those meetings that we were doing when we were in the Bingham Street house, uh, meeting out on our lanai there and oh, going right, to the, right. the book and that. Um, that was strengthening the foundation of your guys's relationship yeah, no, kareen you were working your butt off trying to do everything you could to make our marriage better get out <coughs> of that six right and uh and i just wasn't putting enough in and so that was the beginning point and i, and I, I truly believe that that's where god started i mean because it just didn't take god by surprise um but this is where it was really kind of building that foundation so when I did go to where I went, mm-hmm. right, and, and it didn't have to go as far as it did, but but it did, um, that that was some of the foundation that was laid where I think it, God was giving you that, yeah, would you, yeah, yeah, that hope, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I believe it, you know, it can get better. Because I remember having a conversation on the phone with you where, and I, I, I can't remember, this was maybe closer to the time I was being going to be released, where you said, um, yeah, you know what? If, if you come back and, and you're not well, I'm going to leave you. And I remember you, you said this, I won't divorce you. I will just take the kids and go because mm-hmm. I cannot live with you mm-hmm. like this. Right. And then I think you also said, which was super important, not that you cannot. I believe you said, I will not mm-hmm. live with you like this. And I just remember, like, everything just went still for me. And I was like, mm. did she actually just say what I think she said? Because you, I could never imagine you saying that. Uh, and that was, again, you know, good thing I was, you know, sober and I was getting healthy because that was another huge wake-up call for right. me of, like, because, right. again, even when I got out of treatment, like, like and I've said this before, 30 days... 90 days, 120 days in a rehab center is not going to fix a person after 20 plus years of addiction. That's a good point. It it, it doesn't. It gets you to the starting line of life. Right. And from there, you work your butt off. You make Mm -hmm. your amends. You work your daily program. You you repair the relationships that you can repair. And you do everything that you can to live healthy, sober. And I like to say... You know, the saying in, 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 in AA and that is like dealing with life on life's terms. What I've said and what I believe the Lord said to me is I'm going to deal with life on God's terms because right. dealing, I can't deal with life, you know? Right. But if I know that God, my higher power, is going to be helping me, right. I can live with him. I can live with life on that terms, right? And I, and I just, I just want, to, want to point that well, out. Yeah, that. plus she, 
with the boundaries and then with, you know, the reality of it, like the, there was some actions that had been taken so that when she said that, it wasn't just like a word. Like, yeah, it's she not a really threat. Mad. It's like no, she's kicked yeah. me grace. out. There's forgiveness. I'm good. Right. I know. I was over the grace and the forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and rightly like, so. You better do this right. And yeah. rightly so, yeah. But it, it's it's so powerful what you just said, though, is that it, it I think it emphasizes the relationships in your life, right? So Because we're thinking, freaking fix this guy. And he better come back fix or whatever. And I think maybe even we underestimated the infrastructure that our boundaries put him in yeah. for success, for long-term success. Yeah. So that you know, because even though we were late to the, because the, the, here's the big thing. God was doing things in all three of us yeah. and yeah. your children. Like, we don't know that we all signed up for this big deliverance, like this big transformation um, and, uh, and in some weird way, it is like that. I, it was almost like I went through my own yeah, things. I had to face so many fears. Yeah. I had to face so much crap. Um, and I think that's just another point to make is that the people who are around, you know, yeah. God is also working super strong. We have our own issues. It's, you know, you're obviously the one that's instigating a, a large thing but it's fascinating to hear me say so much of what you're saying Karine about your fears oh yeah I your denial oh yeah I huge I would say this is huge transformation for me which I mean it's easy to be able to point the finger and just say this is all Aaron's fault right he chose to drink he took the pills you know he was lying he was you know all this different stuff stealing and so I could very easily say it's all him it's all him Mm -hmm. but I do see how had I maybe cut through the fear sooner maybe we wouldn't have gone through as much you right, know or right. um yeah yeah no it's it's yeah. it's it's interesting too because we forget about this uh, not that i run in these circles or anything but i'm just saying i'm super close to the situation and aaron has a coin for his months and then his year and right and he, he can text us and say i'm two months and two years and seven months but for you there isn't that same thing necessarily no, right no so it's almost like we forget the work that you and me and others, you know, and again, I'm, no, I'm not even in the same category really, but for you to have taken what you did, to make it through it, to be healthier, to be more free, to be delivered from your stuff. Yeah, there's a, there's a point of surrender and, and release of control that has to happen. I mean, when he came back, there was still a lot of fear and it was major baby steps to get to where we are today. The trust issues were just... It was, it was crazy. I remember, because at this point, you know, by the time he went to rehab, I'm checking everything, right? I'm checking all those bags. I'm checking every hiding Dear space heavens. I can think of. Like, does he have a bottle here? You know, like, where are they hidden? And so my that's my normal life now. After he's gone to bed, I'm looking and I'm, you know, and trying right. to find. And so him coming back, it, those pick up again. And yeah, I remember picking him up from the airport and him getting out of the van. And I'm thinking, it smells like smoke in here. Oh, and I'm like, what? And how? no it can't be and then and then he we came home and then he went out again to do something come back and then I got in the van after him like there is smoke and so my that kicks up again where I'm like and I'm searching and I find this pack of cigarettes in his bag and I'm like what the frick what is what is this like he has that. of all of the things he's done, he has never never smoked. I'm not his dad. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a smoker. <laughs> his, like, I, even yeah, when his, I was drinking, I wouldn't smoke. So, so what? So what I was picked the up deal? smoking in rehab. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not joking. So Wait, I so was. <laughs> and you kind of use that as a bridge. That was your idea, right? I was going to kind of bridge. You know, yeah. So a lot of times there's re- re- replacement addictions, right? And so. <laughs> 
I was pissed. Um, like I went. Did you just I, lay it down and you're like, this is not happening, dude? Like I. No, thought- I, I. So this was after hours. He was asleep. So I found the cigarettes and I go downstairs to him and I shake away. I'm like, I'm like, what is? Look like- what I just found. And I'm holding the cigarettes and I'm like, are you crazy? Like you, why smoking? Really? Like you're. This is another addiction. Like this is unhealthy for you. This is not going to be in our house. And I took them and I broke them all up and I threw them away. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being so angry. I'm like. You're supposed to be rebuilding my trust, and here you are hiding, hiding something else. Yeah, did that and last for? That was about a week. I can't oh, remember. that wasn't. I don't think it was even not a even, week. Not it was even. maybe a matter of a few days. <laughs> yeah, no, I valued my life, and I didn't want to you're wake like, up dead. Yeah. Do I want to have cigarettes? Like, see, when you're live? sober, you can make good decisions to quit early. They see that's that was what. But what, it was what? hard for me because I so for months. I want to say for even a year. Yeah. Anytime I even smelt, so even though no, he just done, yeah, to this even day. to this day, to this sometimes day. No, it I, does I it trigger too. me. You know what triggers me is gum. When he comes in and I give you a hug or I, I get close to you and I can smell gum on your breath, because that's what you used to do to cover oh. alcohol. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's right. And yeah. I didn't, you know, because then only in hindsight do I, I guess, you know, do you get clear thinking and recognize that's what he was doing this whole time to cover that smell. And so, yeah, or then I do remember the cigarette thing too. So, even to this day, I didn't know when you knew. chew gum, <laughs> when you have gum, yeah. like you can't. Plus, and it's uh, this is this is really a confession. <laughs> okay, so he just drove from the house to my house. Two or three guys were just gonna pray, but what has he done between the house? Can right. I know the stories? I know the thing, right. and you just, I know that you're a human, and I just know that it's. It, it, this is the one good thing that I like about it. I mean I like a lot of things about the AA program as I understand it through walking with you the one thing that I've struggled with is saying I am an alcoholic I'll always be an addict I'll always be this thing because you know we wrestle with that identity piece with the Lord like I'm not a sinner I do sin right. but so it's it, you know you have that weird thing where I'm just like don't say that over yourself you know you have a tendency and you can do it again However, I, as the more I've learned about it, I, the, what I do kind of like about it is it reminds me of that scripture where it says, take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. Right. And that's such a you know, sobering and powerful <laughs> scripture because it, it, the truth is, okay, two years later, but those pathways are there. The, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's possible. And I think that's why the gum triggers me because, yeah. yay, I'm, I'm with it on the text. Yay, yay, yay. But when you have the history, especially Korean that you have, that I have a small piece of too, it brings up something in us. Our, yeah. you know, we're ne- And I don't think that it's n- super bad. I think it's just the way that our life is going to be. I think it keeps us prayerful. It keeps all of us humble. Right. It keeps us accountable to you. It's okay to check on. It, it, you know what I'm saying? It's, oh, it's two years. So I don't have to ask the question anymore. No, oh, no it's like, still do, yeah. are you str- You know, where yeah. are you at? And I think, <clears throat> and and just to let you know too, Karina, that he. When he says it brought up a memory or, you know, it made I had a dream, you know, um, he'll kind of qualify that too and be like, I don't, I'm not in a dangerous zone, but I am confessing it, you know, and that makes me feel better. I'd yeah. rather him say that. I think there's some of those things you haven't said to Kareen yeah. over these last two years because he said, I, I won't tell Kareen that yet, but he would at least confess it to me to get it out in the light. Like I had this radical alcohol dream. I don't feel like I'm in danger, but I have to tell you about it kind of thing. You know? Yeah. And that's the humility that I think we need to stay in. Not that a lot of those happened. I'm just saying. <laughs> Sometimes for your peace of mind. And again, this goes to a point where people are listening. So 
So the, so the transformation is this, again, so I can be, um, I mean, I've always been very transparent. I mean, that's part of my personality, um, but I have control of what I'm transparent yeah, about. Yeah, except for the lying, stealing, and covering for years. But other than <laughs> yeah, that, I'm super that, transparent. You know, super transparent. <laughs> I'm an open book, guys. <laughs> I, I can, I can, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though, right? I do. I mean, your personality like, I, is that way. Yeah, my personality is that, and I can share stupid things I've done, right? But it's not the current stupid things that I'm doing. Right. Uh, but my point is, um, um, I would have control of that. Because the what would used to be there is, oh, and I, I want to kind of qualify this of, of having an outlet, like if you're in recovery, even if, you know, because I'm, you know, like two years, seven months, I'm still early on in my recovery. And I understand that. I know that I don't have this wired. I have that I have accountability. We still meet right. with another guy once a week, right? right. I do my uh, addiction counselor, Dr. Nikki, once a month now, right? We've spaced that out because we feel it's yeah. time. I've started again now dropping in uh, once or twice a week to my AA meetings and seeing right. my home group guys. And it's just, and it's awesome to see them and, and it's encouraging whether I share or not. Uh, I have another friend that I meet with that we're starting to meet with on Saturday mornings now that, that I met um, through the group, and um, it's just great. So, because um, so, I have an outlet, right? So I don't have to dump everything on Kareen because that's not her job, even as my right, wife. Like, right, right. I just need, she needs to know, and correct me if I'm wrong, that I have accountability and I have somebody to process my emotions with and my struggles with, and I do. 99.9% of them I share with Kareem. Yeah, but yeah. if there's a triggering event, like if I'm like, um, there's something called relapse dreams where you literally feel like you wake up, you actually feel like you've been drinking or taking a drug because your mm. body releases the dopamine yeah. that you, that you when you ingest a, a substance, it's the dopamine that floods your brain that gives you the awesome feeling, right? Mm. And so your brain can think that you've taken a drug or you've, or you've, or you've drank, drunk, I've heard it both ways. And it your brain gets flooded with dopamine. So I've had one of those since being back from uh, rehab where I woke up, I didn't know where I was. It's early on when I got back, like in the first couple months, and I just remember talking to my doctor. And she's like, Oh yeah, that that's gonna happen, right? And this is how you handle it. The cravings only last for ten minutes, so you just gotta, you know, make sure that you're talking to somebody. Call your phone a friend. You know, I got a list of 25 people I can call uh, or, you know, to get your mind off it and get to a healthy place mm-hmm. so it's not, it's not becoming a mental obsession again. Um, so, yeah. So, it's not like I'm hiding stuff from you. I love but, that. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But in here. But no, in, I said it. I said yeah, yeah. that yeah, so no. that you would know that. No, no. He, no. But, it's, it's, but here's, the, here's the point. Here's the point is there's no fear. I'm, like, I'm not afraid that you hear that from Dean where in the past I would have been hiding it. No, don't, don't say that because there's no shame anymore. It's like part of my recovery. We know that. Yeah, because um, I would even say, like, if you open up to, like, one of the first pages of the big book, it says, this is book is by, written by those, who have, those of us who have recovered from alcoholism. Past tense, saying, but we talk in the present tense, you know, I go to a meeting, hi, my name's Aaron, alcoholic addict. Mm. Um, that isn't defining who I am. It's that scripture. It's reminding me where I've come from, what God has brought me out of. That's right. And if I know my past... Like Ziggy Marley said, mm-hmm. I'm going to know my future, and so I understand that it's a reality check for me every single day. No, it is. What were you going to say? Chris? Sorry, I, cut, I did. I totally oh, no, derail no, you. No, Sorry. Uh, no, no, no. Just, just going back to after after you got back and how where I am oh, today. Yeah, I yeah. just, um, I think something that really, really helped me, other than obviously my community and God, was with you was seeing the consistency, like. Because like like I said before, when you tried to get sober, and I was like, he's not serious about this. He's not. He's going late mm-hmm. to meetings. Um, 
when you came back, you were so focused on getting to AA every day. And so, but then I was always, but you know, it's the trust that you get little by little. So it was like, okay, a week. Okay, he did it a week. Oh, he did it a month. He's gone every day for a month. Okay. So it strings it out where mm. the longer you see the consistency and the seriousness in getting and yeah. staying sober, the more trust that is established. So, and that was a good, what you're saying is that that was good for your, like it, it helped it your was, heart. It your was good for me. Soul, it was right? good for me. It was yeah, good for yeah, me. Yeah. And then, and then open communication. Like I, and this is something that, that we struggled with quite a bit was the communication of like, I would want to know how his sessions with Dr. Nikki went. Like, well, what did you talk about? What did she say? You know, can you fill me in? Because again, that brings peace to my heart, knowing that you're communicating with Dr. Nikki and she's got this feedback for you. So Communication is really big too. Yeah, how you're doing, how you're feeling, what what mm. you talk to your therapist about, um, and then even with you, Dean, like how how was your time with Dean, and because that's a whole another. Yeah. And and for me, that um, like, do you remember what we came up with? Because and I've said this before on the podcast that my hustle was to go to the gas station, buy alcohol, and say that I put gas or oil in the car. Oh yeah. So do you remember what we came up with when I first got back? You had to show me the receipts. Yeah. So, so, and so, and I agreed to this. And I think I actually, I, I almost want to say that, that I can come up with the idea. I can't remember. I think I did. <laughs> well, just for the record, we'll say I came up with the idea. I'm pretty sure I did. Um, but no, no, actually, no, no, honestly, I did because I wanted to show you that I would be accountable and knowing that that's what I would always do. I was holding myself accountable too. Yeah. It's because same thing it's, with it's, the ATM. Because you used to pull 20s out of the ATM all the time, mm. like a couple times yeah, a week. And I'd be like, why? Why are you using cash when you can just use your debit card? Because you then you spend, and this is when we were really, really tight on money. So I'm like, because you say you take it out for 12 bucks, but then now you're wasting $8 because you're just going to buy gum and candy and, you know, let's save the money. And I so, when that. He, so when you came back, I was like, please, you don't take money out of the ATM. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and yeah, if you need to yeah. take money out of the ATM, you need to tell me why you're taking yeah, it out yeah. and, what, and so, what it's for. And so I would go to the gas station, and again, I would not go to the gas stations where I bought alcohol because that right. would be a trigger point for me. So yeah. I'd find new gas stations to go to. <laughs> um, and, and even if it was Costco or whatever, it, yeah. I, if I would go to get gas, I would save the receipt yeah. and I would drive home and I would hand it to her. And I think maybe I did that for a month and then it kind of tapered off. But it was so good because what was I doing? I was, I, was, I was showing Kareen that I was trustworthy. I was holding myself accountable. So yeah, there was nice. no way that I could hustle this or I could be triggered into maybe, well, you know, if I just, no one will know type thing, right? Mm. Uh, and I think building those boundaries in right away as we came in, when I came back, was huge. Because even in the midst of all that early on, I knew she was still mad at me, that right. there was not that trust there. And I came in and I believe, like, I remember being down in the basement at the Manoa house and just saying, okay, listen, and I, I said a couple of things and you weren't too happy about this. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm gonna say? No. Um, <laughs> she just knows there's so many yeah. things, right? Like, yeah, which but time it, too was many. this? Right. Which but time was this? It, it goes to the amends thing where um, I think you asked me like, when is my turn? When are you gonna, you're making amends with all these people and, um, and I, I have to say that um, because I know I hurt you the most, logic would say We'll go to her first start with her. and start with her. But one of the things I learned uh, at the retreat was do the easy amends first because you, you build up a flow to it and you, you know, you're kind of get some wins. There, there's, belt. yeah, there's less, there's <laughs> less chance of them like going, 
screw you, I hate <laughs> you, you know, because I have to live with that. Like, I've done my piece. I can't make the amends. I can't build That's the right. bridge. I'm here. Okay, and then I have to live with that, whatever my, me breaking that relationship is, right? So, so it does say, hey, get, get some wins under your belt before you go, right? But the other piece for me is because I knew um, to a certain extent how deeply I had hurt you. And I've said this before. I think it will still take some time to really know how deeply I hurt you. And I think even with you, and I think every time that we talk, I learn a little bit more. Because um, it's, even with all the joking and the laughing, and I know I, I make fun of stuff, mostly of myself um, uh, in this situation, um, just because it's so insane that this stuff even happens in real life, right? right. But, um, you know, there, there's, a, there's a bit of me, even, even now, where I'm like going, I'm so lucky because I, I really can't believe that mm. I did what I did. Mm-hmm. hurt and lied to you guys the way that I did mm-hmm. and we can still sit here love one another right. and be healed and healthy because I, I know that's a gift from God because I know of friends that I went to treatment with that they don't have this mm-hmm. and they've relapsed or we don't know where they are mm-hmm. and, you know and I, I've seen friends all my life that that, that don't have this mm-hmm. um and so I know that I'm lucky in that. And, and it's good for me to hear that. And it's good for me to hear the revelation that you guys are getting. Um, because it helps me understand that I need to stay freaking sober. Yes, sir. Because, one, I'll die either by Kareem killing me in my sleep if I relapse or yeah. just, you know, if I start I'll be cheering her on. Right? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> hit him again! I'll, like, I'll hold him down. Keep us Barabbas, you know? Um, yeah, I shouldn't have drawn that line. Sorry, sorry. I went too far there. I, I should have said what I just right. said. Sorry. <laughs> but anyways, but, but again, you know, it's because I, I realized that, wow, my actions, they do matter. The things that I said and yeah. did have an effect on people's lives and... And I know that, again, my story is not the gnarliest. It's not the most radical. Yeah. And I know that there are things that are worse. But that doesn't matter because what matters is um, that there's, there's, there's healing here mm-hmm. and there's a moving forward where in the world's eyes and other people's eyes, they say, like, how? That, that you shouldn't have a relationship mm-hmm. with Dean. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have a relationship with your wife. Nobody in your community well, should it was Well, ra- it was radical for Kareem the most. You know what I'm saying? Like... I know that you're saying from an th- objective perspective, there's probably worse stories out there, but yeah. I'm just saying, you know, for her, it's the trauma, relative. yeah, the yeah. trauma is high. I think, and this is why when we go back to him kicking the, sh- like, without nailing that shame piece, it, n- and that's only God. That's only having a revelation, the separation between my value as a person yep. and the forgiveness and what that gives me. And yet on this side, simultaneously, I still have to make amends. I have to build back trust. There's still a reality to what I've done. And I can only take that because I know that the shame thing is not going to eat me alive. We know in life we're always dealing with those two things. My sin, the effect of all myself, and then the shame of the fact that I did it. And you could never be where you are today if the shame thing wasn't knocked out to the degree it was in the retreat. Yeah, yeah. So the only thing that I could tell in your voice had kind of shifted and I've been blown away. And it's a, it's a gift from God for sure for you. It's a gift. It's God's grace on your life. But it's like Paul, you know, from Saul having to look at the family. He's preaching the gospel and he's like, I put your husband in jail. I right. killed you. And yet he still has the authority to do that, to then speak. 
And that's what I wanted to ask you, Corrine, is the dynamic of not being in a place where he'll never pay, he, he can never pay back what no. he did for you, to you guys and no. your kids. And to see him, to, to, for you guys to try to create a marriage that has equal grace, that has, you know what I'm saying? Like everybody's doing their part. When you could, from a hurtful place, just be like, he'll ne- like he's always going to live under. He'll never be in an equal footing. Right, right. Like, how have you dealt with that? Because that's really been mind-blowing to watch. And I mainly see it from his side. So tell us the truth is what we're trying to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> Forget what well, I said. Well, I, I feel like the amends process for us is kind of almost been an ongoing thing. As, as stuff comes up, more okay. amends are made. So I, I can't. I can't say that I remember like one just huge impactful moment when there was amends for everything. I feel like it's it's kind of yeah. Well, that's, that's what I said. I, I'd come back the, and you had said, "Why? When's my turn, Aaron? You're making all these amends, mm-hmm. getting them under my belt." And I said, "Like I I know I've hurt you so much that I can't just say, will you forgive me?' And what can I do to repair it? I've got to show you because I've I've talked circles around you." gaslighted you, lied to you, made you think that you were the problem and you were crazy. Right. So how can I just say, just tell me what I need to do? Like, so did you, know? you just do it? You're saying that you chose to do it in peace. So, I, so I told her, I said, listen, I, you know, I, I asked for her forgiveness. I said, what can I do? You know, what amends can I make? How can She's I like, I'm so happy to ask because well, here's my you know, <laughs> list. Well, on. no, but here's the thing is I, I'm, I remember in the last couple of years, there have been moments where I've been so highly triggered that even if he had made the amends, it's almost like I, w- I needed him to do it again because mm. of how intense the trigger was and where it would put me back and the feelings that would come up. And I felt like I, I have to forgive him all over again because I'm so angry right so now. Give, okay, given because I think it, it would help people who are maybe struggling with this to realize that a reality that, that, that like all three of us are in recovery. I'm in recovery from right, drugs and alcohol. Right, you're right. in recovery from me. Yeah, trauma. Recovery. <laughs> from trauma, PTSD. You're saying, on, even, like, legit. you're saying even two years out. That you can experience that. When was the last time you experienced so don't, that? Yeah, don't uh, make me look mean, too bad. The, but like, I mean, can you other, give an example. The other night we had, we there was a little bit of a moment where it was a joking thing, and then, but it was something oh, that yeah, I was yeah, super yeah. insecure about, and something that he had used against me in the past. In the past, and it. Oh it, right. So some of the things he was saying to me just triggered this, and I was trying to get him to understand that there's triggers from the past still coming out with this subject that we were dealing with. And so this one didn't blow into a big fight. I feel like as the year, couple of, as we've gotten farther this side, they're getting less and less and less intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but through the last couple of years, yeah, there have been major triggers where it'll start out with me saying something or him reacting in a certain way mm-hmm. and then me triggering and then it, then we just go. Yeah. And it's never as intense as it used to be. Not even close. Verbal or emotional abuse or anything like that. I mean, it'll get a little, it'll get heightened, but nowhere close to what it used to be. Mm. Where we have to go a couple rounds to get back to where we need to be. Yeah, and, and you know, from his side, it's interesting to you know from his side, it's been interesting because as we've been meeting, we would meet, and he would say, "Okay, the." the thing that a normal husband should, in a normal, quote-unquote normal, none of us are normal, but <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a marriage that has some health to it, you should be able to say this, but because I used to say that and right. it was something that I was doing to, to, to manipulate her, I can say it. So now I have to figure out another yeah. way. Right. So there was actually some times when we would connect, I, re- I remember that, yeah. and him having to go, you know, having to actually 
know that you're in the place that you're at and he has to grow and change and not demand. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that's blown my blown my mind though is to watch him on his side. I mean, seriously, again, only God can do this. Only the Lord and a revelation can have Aaron feel that as he's building trust again, you know what I'm saying, as all that, he knows in one sense that he'll never repay ever. And yet in another way, at the same time, know that he still has value and your marriage is still a marriage that has to be worked on and he still has a voice in it. And there's still a way that he can say, hey, I'm not sure if that's fair for you to say to me, right? Like to even say that or even think that after what he's done to you, it's mind-blowing, I think, for people watching that on the outside. Even for me to hear you say it when you dialogue about it because everybody else is like, screw you. You should never say that to your life. (laughs) You know, Karina, I don't know if you should say that to me. Like, yeah, you want to go, you want to say what (laughs) should never have happened? But I think that's, you know, and so what I want to hear from you, though, is like, you have to then agree, you know, your marriage has to, you have to agree to that value. Right. You have to agree that he does deserve, you know what I'm saying? In a, in a way, he doesn't deserve anything in some ways. But then at the same time, you're like, well, you know what? He's building back trust. I've also forgiven. And I have to accept him as this, you know what I'm saying? As he, of course, continues to grow. Yeah. How has that been on your side to walk, like, as Paul's preaching, you know what I'm saying? And it was your husband that he put in jail. How are you going to go, you know what, I'm going to come to your church. You can lead me. Like, what are you finding in you to do that? Well, I mean, I would have forgiveness. Like, I don't know that I've ever thought in the terms of, like, he has to pay me back. Um, Maybe more in the thought of, like, you need to prove to me that you're trustworthy. You need to prove. So I don't know if I've ever looked into the value of you owe me this. So you have to do it my way. I mean, I think I did have some things. Well, I mean, with the boundaries, like you have to do it my way type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's different than what but I'm But different than to say. like a yeah. payback. You got to do it this way so that I get this. You know, like, I mean, there are things that I've asked of him, like a, a conversation that we, we have presently is now that we're at this point is, you know, there was damage done to our marriage. Like mm-hmm. I went from when he confessed to the pills, I remember telling Kimmy like, I just want to sit on him. I just want to hold him really close. I was really protective. So I, when the shock wore off, mm. there was about a, like a 24-hour period. But once the shock wore off, it was like, I just want to keep him close to my side. I felt super protective. So I went from that stance to by the time I said, you just need to leave, I was over it. Like the grace was mm-hmm. gone. I didn't want to protect anymore. I'm like, I'm over it. I don't like you. I actually right now kind of hate you and right. I'm angry with you. And so um, coming back, from rehab, I mean, it's it's quite the process, and it's slow. But it, the forgiveness, as I, I've been told, you know, forgiveness doesn't have to happen right away. Like we get to right. process it. Like, right. you know, I think some people think, well, if I'm not forgiving right away, then I'm sinning, or I'm, you mm-hmm. know, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like God gives that the grace to process through it, to filter through the anger and the thoughts and the bitterness, to get to a place where you can forgive. And then once you forgive. It's like, I don't want to be in a place where I'm always right. angry with him. Like, what kind of life is being angry with him all the time? Like, I want to get back to a place where we are in a good space, that we are yeah, even, healthy, that right. we're trusting, that yeah, that we're healthy. And no, so, that's a good way of putting it. That's a good way of putting it. Because I guess I just haven't thought of it that way. I think, And I think people on the outside just think of it more like revenge but or that's, vindictive. But that's also like um, the attitude of a victim. 
I've been a victim this whole time. Look what you've done to me. You owe me this. Right. Instead of saying, I'm not a victim. I am very empowered. And that's part of the lesson I learned while he was in rehab. I'm like, I am empowered. I don't, in a sense, need him. Right. Like, I am a powerful woman who's loved by God that if I have to go and make it on my own with these three kids, I can do it. Right. So. But it's like choosing him. It is choosing him, but right. I think there's so many people that they get to that point that they're so jaded and they're so angry and so bitter that that's what they want to hold on to. Mm. And part of it is that victim mentality. Like, look what's been done to me. Right. I'm angry and they don't want to release it. And you can't really, you know, if your hands are closed because you're holding on, you can't that's accept right. yeah. something being given to you. That's so powerful, man. It, and I think one thing that, that I've come to understand is that in my insane destructive living I you know I pulled you and the kids and others into that right but I mean mostly you that you're used to living in high tension not trusting me and that's normal so you know if you, if you think about <clears throat> I wish that we were on camera so I could use my hands and illustrate this but you think of like um, like a low bar right that that's normal everyday life is, is kind of like you know you know at your waist or so like that mm. okay and then all of a sudden you're amped up because you're living with this addict that is, you know, emotionally abusive, is verbally abusive. You don't know what's going to happen. Which errand am I going to get today? You know, mm-hmm. that type of thing. So you kind of notch that up to your shoulders, right? I mean, you, so it's raising. So by the time I go to rehab, it's off the charts. I mean, mm-hmm. it's you're so wound up and stressed and living in fear and in anger and in anger and hating me, but loving me, but not knowing what to do with me. So when that's gone and I come back and all of a sudden you can't just go from Mach 10 down to just normal life because you're used to emotionally being on that roller coaster. You have to, as the person who's not who's saying I'm not a victim, you have to, this is why you're in recovery. This is why you're saying I have to recover and get to a normal flow of life, right? Because mm. I remember coming back and I, I think I've told you this before. Or, let me get an arm's length away. No, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Um, um, that I sometimes felt like, wow, I'm so far ahead of you. Like, why aren't you, like, I'm healthy now. Mm. You know, I probably never said this because I'm smart, so I'm saying it now. You said it to me. Right? Um, why don't you catch up, right? Um, and the reason I never said it to you is because I know that that's not a reality, that I understand that you have to heal in your own time, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the forgiveness piece is huge. Because it's not forgive and forget. Nowhere does it say forgive and forget. That's that's a, a human colloquialism that is, a, that's a lie. Right. Because we cannot forget. Because mm-hmm. we've been deeply hurt. We've been deeply wounded. We, we carry the scars, sometimes those emotional scars, mm-hmm. with us the rest of our lives. But we can heal from them. And so you forgive me, and it's a released forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But now there's healing that has to happen between you and me. And sometimes we have really good days and sometimes we have not so good days. But there's healing in those moments where we have an argument and it doesn't spin off the rails. Where There's healing in the moments where, um, wow, we go through a day and we can sit and we can look back. And I had a moment like this uh, over Christmas where I was like, it's just our family. Mm. And I, um, I can remember everything that happened at Christmas. And it was mellow, and it was nice, and it was fun. And there's, for me, there's healing in those moments of normal, everyday life. But there's, it's, you know, I don't 
10 times more that has to happen for you because you know you were at the the receiving end of my addiction right mm -hmm. and 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 again i don't know how many times you said this you know before i left and before i came back i didn't sign up for this that's right i didn't want this to happen and she was sober through it too i mean you were blacked out for a lot of your <laughs> yeah no absolutely yeah no, absolutely it, it was she awful was, she was awake yeah for all of the crap and you weren't yeah. um well, i think Korean, what you said was so powerful because i think um we people look to the offender to pay it back. Now again, amends is important, and that's a part of it's it. key. You got to bring the trust So I'm not saying you can't do that, but I'm talking about now in the context of you, the person, the victim, in the sense that you don't have yeah, a victim yeah. mentality, but you were a victim. <clears throat> it's almost like, oh well, once he does that, then you can be, and then you can release, or then you can give forgiveness, or then you can make things okay. Once he's got himself out of this hole, kind of thing. And I think what you're saying is such a powerful thing. I just wanted to say it again, that you're like, hey, he doesn't control me. I'm not a victim, and I don't have to wait for him to, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's good. Build trust and stick yeah. to the program. Do the thing. So all the things that you said was important. But there's a second piece that's going on inside of you, that, that empowerment piece, which I think is not, that's like advanced living, you know what I'm saying, um, for the because everybody's focused on you and two years and the coins and sober this long, but it's like for you, that's such a, a powerful thing to come in and, and say, it's not dependent on him, my freedom, you know, and I want a great marriage. That's just super powerful. Yeah, well, and I think that with my life circumstance my whole time, I feel like I've taken on the victim role and I didn't realize it. So through this whole process, just having that revelation of like, I live my life and that's why I'm so codependent. think I need need to have him in my life so much mm. is because I'm a victim of everything. You know, mm. like I'm not empowered. I don't, I don't have the power to do this or I can't, you know, like I need somebody else to do it for me. Mm. So I think that really uncovered that deep victimized little girl maybe, I want to mm -hmm. say, that was yeah. inside that yeah. kind of grew up. There was a lot of emotional maturing that happened in the discovery through this whole process, I mean. Oh yeah, and yeah, we're not talking about you, so we're not. Gonna, <laughs> we're not going to go through all your. No. Okay. You also had your deeps go. Your you know your valleys are, are low too. You know I mean it's 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 rough, but that's why I think that's what God. It, he uses all things. He turns all things into good, and you know I just really am amazed. You know Karina, I, I walked you through and walked with you. I guess I should say for so much of it. But because it's not a fires aren't, you know, exploding, yeah. it's not like we don't talk about this as much anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just good for me just to hear and see how much you've grown and what God has done inside of you. Because that's powerful. It, it, that was your addiction. Oh, yeah. You know, your codependency, your yeah. fears. Yep. And, and, it, and I think people need to realize that... Um, you know, there are organizations out there like Al-Anon that, that, you know, bring people who are, you know, friends, relatives, children, or spouses of mm. addicts or alcoholics through their own 12, same 12 steps, but in how to, how to be empowered, how to, how to live, you know, one of the sayings in, the, in, in, in AA is, you know, you got to, you know, keep your side of the street clean, meaning right. that, and that I, I can't point out to Kareen, and even in this marriage, I mean, there's certain dynamics to this, but even in the marriage... Like, you know, um, if I don't have my things in order in my life, emotionally, right, right mentally, spiritually, 
um, physically, those things, if, if my life is not progressing, what right do I have to point to you and go, why don't you clean your stuff up? Now, in the dynamic of a marriage, there's accountability and there, it's a little different, I right, think. Right, right, it right. May, looks different. I'm not saying this correctly, but I think people understand what I'm saying. Um, but, you know, again, Kareem, you had to do and you know, 10 times the amount of healing and work that, that I did. And I did have people to, to carry me through it, right? Mm-hmm. And you had Dean guys and you had a community too. And, you know, I know that, you know, you, you've talked to some... Um, counselors about stuff too but um you know the the healing that you've had to come through mm-hmm. is so much higher of a mountain i think than i had to right and i think i realize that more every day it's different you know i don't think we're comparing apples and oranges but at the same time mm-hmm. um man i uh i, <laughs> I sometimes kind of go i can't like why how are we still married you know, sure. and in and, 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 and a good marriage. I think we're yeah. not at a six anymore. I would, would, am I right on that one? I yeah. think that we're, you know. I, I want to know, Kareen, uh, too, because we we wanted you, we, we asked you to go to these things. I remember Kimi was pressing you to go to these other things. Tell us about a little bit your journey with resisting counseling or resisting a pro. Like, was there a fear thing there? Was there just like, I, I think I'm good, I don't need it? Tell us about what your hesitancy or resistance to some of that was. Well, with a counselor, it it wasn't necessarily the stigma of seeing a counselor. It was more the the work of finding a counselor. Right. I'm talking and, more of the programs of like celebrate oh, recovery um, time for families of addicts. So I did I did go to celebrate recovery twice. Um, I just never felt like it was for me. Okay. Um, I, but I've heard from other friends that go to celebrate recovery that it's incredible for them. Mm. So just for me personally, I never really. So it wasn't an issue. Like you were open to it. If it worked, you would have been open to it. I was, Okay. I was at the same time. I was kind of like, I felt like I was so crazy busy to add one more thing to my schedule. Mm Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, that's just one thing because people would say, you know, we'll try Al-Anon and. Um, and I just never felt the need to go mm-hmm. or the desire to go. And I'm not sure why. But so, but I did try to celebrate recovery. Yeah. And I just, I never talked to you. So just, I wasn't sure if there was a thing, if there was like a. No, there was uh, no thing. Okay. I know. Er, yeah. And I just wanted to say too that I think, you know, like how they say, hey, results vary or like, hey, I'm about to tell you guys about this great story. This people that they made a million dollars online. But the results very <laughs> defined. Yeah, I'm beginning to recognize the more you, that we're talking about this. Like, you know, it's probably not a normal situation that someone could be as healthy as you are, cream without, you know, maybe a program of something. Oh know, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. You, you know, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. and I, I was <clears throat> counseling. I went yeah. once a week to counseling. We did yeah. marriage counseling once a week. So like, there was that support. Yeah, and I, and I think the huge thing again that. Um, yeah, I think that uh, a lot of times a spouse or a family member of an alcoholic or an addict, there's so much shame that they're under too, right? Mm-hmm. That they don't want to admit to somebody that, that they need help. They, they, and they really put themselves in the place of defending the actions of the alcoholic. Like you, Kareen, mm-hmm. always wanting to believe the best in me and, right. and, and do, doing your WebMD searches on why does this breast smell like this, right? Because I think there's a part of you that didn't want to admit that this was really happening 
and but you wanted the best for me and you wanted to defend me and you didn't want anybody to think less of me and and that's really what it was it's like she was shielding me mm-hmm. and 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 I'm doing this these destructive things and just you know enabling mm-hmm. her to continue to shield me to enable well, me well I think we're learning that she was trying to keep a hold of her the dream of her life too yeah she yeah. wanted to keep yeah, her that marriage was, that right? was it wasn't as much was it, I mean, she did love you too, but it wasn't but, just like... There was a protective side of me, and there's always been a protective, and this came out during this process of ever since we were married, you know, knowing his life story, I'm like, I'm going to be the good part of his life. I'm going to come, and I'm going to protect him, and right. I, with all Oops. this crap he's gone through in his life, I'm going to be the one good thing. And it, even from day one before we got married, like... It, it was it, the trajectory. It was like, yeah, the trajectory I, it just was, was going. set. Yeah, the trajectory <laughs> was set in many ways. But it's I realized through this, it's not my job to protect him. Come on. And it's not my job to shield him. It's to love him, to come alongside of him. And yes, there are scenarios where we're gonna want to protect. Yeah, yeah. That's just natural in relationship. Yeah. yeah. But to the extent that I was doing it, it wasn't my job. Right. And he never knew that until I confessed that to him. Yeah, that and was it, so, and it put, like, I'm like, what? <laughs> and it was so much pressure on my life to have to live in that space of constantly protecting him. Yeah, dear heavens. And you see the cycle because when you do that, he doesn't have to take responsibility for things. He's like, you know, and I was doing yeah. that to a certain degree yeah. too. That's why we were in denial. That's yeah. why we, mm-hmm. so I think that's the, that's the strange synergy of yes, you made those choices, but for Kareen and I and maybe others too, um, to say what role did we play in this too? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like we had to learn some things as well through it, yeah. um, and that's that's fascinating yeah. too. And and, I, and again, I think that um, like I I'm hoping for people again who 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 are themselves have a family member or a spouse that is, that is struggling with addiction or alcoholism um, that this. This scenario that we're talking about right here, mm-hmm. this doesn't have to be an exception to the rule. Sure. Um, and I think, you know, Kareen and I were, were are lucky enough to have friends like you and Holly and our extended family, Ross and Kimmy guys and the Skeels and, mm-hmm. and, and, and everybody um, that, we, that we could go to and, you know, not be judged, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the twisted mind uh, of an addict for me was like, you know, what are they going to think of me? Because my self-worth was so wrapped up. Even when I was, you know, when I was sober for all those years, my, my self-worth was still wrapped up oh, yeah, in performance yeah. and I have to prove to you that I'm a good person and I'm great at this or you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then, but so for Kareen and, and I to know that um, we have a community that no, no matter what happens in our life, mm-hmm. like, because I don't, you know, knock on wood, <laughs> You know, no matter what happens in our life, we have a community, we have close friends that aren't going to abandon us, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and we knew that before all this came up. Mm-hmm. And I think that I want people out there to know so that if you're, if, if you're hiding in shame and not wanting to say anything because you're trying to protect your husband or your wife, because what will people think? Guess what? It doesn't matter what people will think because if mm-hmm. your husband or wife is going to die and if they have uh, an addiction and it's getting worse, it's a progressive fatal disease. It's not going to stop on its own. That's right. Invite somebody in to your world of pain. Find somebody to talk to because you need to be able to set boundaries and be mm-hmm. healthy because if you're not healthy as a spouse, the person who's got the addiction is not going to be healthy. You can't help. It's the same principle, and everybody uses this illustration. In case of pressure loss in the cabin, please put on your own face mask before helping others. 
you have to put on your own face mask. That's right. And 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 I think um, at a certain point, Karine, when I hear you say things that you know, when you drew that boundary line, it wasn't necessarily that you're giving up on me, but you were saying I got to take care of me yeah. and the kids. Right? Am, am I right? Yeah, definitely. And and I think that and that was a turning point now because she was no longer. Um, you know, she was like, and I think at one point I remember, I, I, um, I remember I, I had been drinking, but I said, I can't help myself. I can't do this. I need, I need to go into an inpatient thing. I need somebody to help me. I remember just mm. yelling that, right? And you're just like, fine, then go slam. <laughs> and that was like the end of the conversation. This and, was the one that actually put you on the plane. Yeah. Yeah. And that, oh, and that, okay. and that was great because then it was just like, Hey, listen, Unbeknownst to me, my cousin had gotten a hold of you, or somebody had gotten a hold of you, and said, "We hey, uh, I don't even know how all this transpired." It's no, really you fuzzy. had told you had told me that your cousin had miles for you to fly to Minnesota. But didn't you talk to them to previous? No, I have no idea how that came up. I don't remember that at all. So, anyways, I, I talked to them after the fact. You know, oh. as far as the friends thing, which is really interesting, because as you're saying this now, I'm beginning to recognize that kind of pretty much from the beginning of our friendship. It was kind of the house was on fire. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it was, you know, at first it was your marriage, and then it was this and that, and it was ups and downs. I mean, so even some of that traumatic stuff that before even this thing bust open, there was traumatic stuff. I think the interesting and weird thing that I'm recognizing now is I'm now, I am having to learn, like, our friendship was, I'm not going to say it was based on the trauma. (laughs) (laughs) But it was kind of like in speed, you know what I'm saying? At the end yeah. of speed, she's like, no relationship should be based. <laughs> that starts off with whatever high-intensity situations. And it's almost like, I mean, we get to enjoy each other now, which I think is awesome. But it is weird because now it's like we we have, we're building, a, I mean, it's kind of a new relationship, honestly. That's why I'm saying it's like, I haven't asked you these questions because mm-hmm. we don't, I don't have to. Mm-hmm. in some ways you know what I'm saying I care about yeah. you and I want to know you're doing well but in so many ways I can see it I mean they were ta- like every single time if we saw you at the park when we had home group or whatever it was Crisis. I'm like what is it going to be coming through that door right is he even going to be there is she not going to be there because sometimes it was you and then not her and then there was a thing and then we had a thing and then the kids which kid is coming or not because I mean so it's it's us getting used to as well the new you know, it's a new version of you. And I think when you said, I'm still early in my recovery, I think the truth is even two years out for you, Kareen, I know for sure. But I think for me too, sometimes it's like, you know, there's still things, you know, there's still stuff. But what I've learned, um, and I was telling Aaron about a, a TV show series or a streaming thing where they had an alcoholic in fact, everything that I've seen since this, <laughs> where, you know, I'm kind of judging, like, how are they doing? Oh, they need to draw a boundary line. <laughs> but um, but this this young woman in there did that with, for her friend. I'm, I'm going to take you. I'll we'll pack your bags. I've, I got you into this thing and whatever. And, and the girl's like, no, I'm not going. And then she said, okay, then I'm, I'm, I can't help you anymore. I'm not going to cover for you. It was almost exactly what you just said. Right. And I remember telling Aaron about it a few weeks ago, and I said, but I saw this thing, and it was amazing. And then, of course, that boundary line and that reality because um, she was as a friend covering for her friend and no 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 it's good she's going to be blah, blah, blah. she would take her and she'd throw up in the water and then she's like I can't do that anymore because this is your opportunity to get full on help and they lost contact for many years and then when this young lady got married the, the alcoholic got married she said that was the thing that 
it was that line. It was that you drawing that line. And because I'd lived it, seeing it from the sidelines and watching it and being a part of it, I knew that was accurate. Whoever wrote that you know, knows yeah. something real. Um, so I think I've learned a ton and I've grown so much. And I think, Kareem, you know, you are just... Um, and even hearing what you said tonight has even made me understand even more so what you had to work through with the Lord to get the health that you have today. So good for you two years and seven months. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. I guess I'm giving you coins. Two now. years and seven months. They Forget this guy. Like <laughs> they should have just give you money. <laughs> yeah, that's like real right. money. When I say coins, yeah. yeah it's like dollar bills. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, Kareem. Um, so, you know, if, if you think about where, you know, where we were at, where you were at, um, and I think maybe, Dean, you've asked this already, but just as far as, like, what, like what hope is there for people that it can turn out this way, that it can, because it was hard work, there, you know, you know there, was, there, was, there was pain, anguish, tears, you know, hatred, um, all this kind of stuff that, that you had to go through in this process, but, um, why shouldn't people give up hope? Mm. Well, I know that my, that our situation is very lucky. And I mean, I feel like I just have to bring it back to my relationship with Jesus. Honestly, I, that would be the most defining thing in this whole process that has kept me anchored to be able to get through it. I, I, I know that not everybody necessarily has a higher power that they follow, but for me, the hope was knowing that at the end of the day, I had a Jesus that loved me, a Jesus that loved Aaron, and I could walk away and I didn't have to be in control of the situation. I could surrender it and walk away and be okay. And to be empowered that I'm okay on my own mm. that I don't need because I think there's a lot of codependent relationships out there that they feel like if they were to say I I, I step back from the control I'm going to surrender all of this and let them take care of their stuff that they're going to lose something of themselves in it and I think for me that was super powerful and hopeful because we don't know how the situation, like Aaron could have come back from rehab mm-hmm. and he could have gone off the rails again, you know, like. Hit his cigarette smoking. So, right? So I can't, <laughs> I, could, I can't Idiot. put all my hope into him that he's going to get it right and that we're going to live happily no, ever after. It's it's you like. put your hope in that. So I really have to just be focused on, I have to be focused on me. I have to focus on my relationship with the Lord and realize that he loves me and that he's in control no matter what does or does not happen. And I have to be okay with that. Like I have to be able to step back. I remember when he, I told him to go, he, he went and I said, you're not taking one dime from our bank account for you to get sober. I said, you're going to have to figure it out. And I stepped away Mm -hmm. and I had no idea because I know rehab is thousands and thousands of dollars. Not that we even had the money, but Mm. I just, I had to release because from before then it was all control like how can I control the situation or how can I make him do this or how can I put this in place for it to succeed and I just had to step away from the control that's right and I think you just people have to be okay with who they are 
regardless of what the other person is doing mm. and be supportive and pray and all of that. But again, we can't control the other side. Yeah. And I think that's just brilliant. I, 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 because I think that, um, you know, being supportive means kicking the person out of the house because they're doing damage. You know, being supportive means taking care of yourself, saying when you're ready to get healthy, I am here 100%, 100% for you. Mm-hmm. But until you come to that realization, That's right. it's not going to happen. Like mm-hmm. I want to be, I want to sit here and say, oh, the hope is, you know, just just hang in there and it'll all work out. But right. I know that there are so many stories out there that are not like ours <clears throat> that they don't come back. They can't mm-hmm. get a hold of their addiction. Maybe they lose their lives to it. So I can't just say, oh, it'll be okay. Just keep hoping. Right. That's where I'm kind of like, not that we don't want to look to the person, but we really have to look to ourselves because we're all responsible for ourselves, right? We're not right. responsible for the other person. And so so I can't just say, oh, it'll just be okay. Just hold out yeah. hope. But if you're okay, then you can get through it. And as much as you love the other person, whether it's a child or a significant other or brother or sister, you know, right. a mother or father, whatever it is, of course, you don't want to say just cut them off don't affect my life from where they're, they're going to affect your life. But I think just your own grounding and who you are being healthy, as healthy as you can be. That's right. Is probably the biggest hope because if you're healthy, then you know where to put the boundaries lines and you can love that person where they're at regardless. That's right. And it gives you that strength to yeah. walk through it. Cause I know these situations end up all different kinds of mm-hmm. ways. I know at first you were holding on to your marriage and Aaron out of fear and then it turned into, as you, you know, you're, you have your marriage because you let go of it, so to speak. Yeah. You have your marriage because you didn't need it. And I'm saying that in a way that I hope people understand. If, if anybody's right. still listening. Because yeah, yeah. They, no. If they've heard the story, it's <laughs> yeah. like, but that's revelation for me in that sense. Like you no longer, like you said it a, a bunch of times. I didn't need him. Now I choose him because I'm empowered as a daughter of God on my own. And that can happen within a marriage. People can come in for the wrong reasons. Right, right, yeah. They can come in all jacked and get healing and wholeness only with the Lord. If we don't have that third party, if we only have ourselves, and I think that's the brilliance of AA, even for people who don't know Jesus personally yet or whatever, right. it's like you have, they get it. The Constitute, the Declaration of Independence is like, our rights come from this third party. Like if you believe right. in that or not, this is what we're all agreeing on. It's because of our humanity that we and I think that you, I mean, grace was that you didn't let go from the beginning, but that was fear. But where you are today is because you did release those things. Mm-hmm. And you got healed and you put the mask on yourself first, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I think what's brilliant is you worked the first three steps of the, <laughs> of the program. Because <laughs> the first step, uh, we admitted we were powerless over fill in the blank. So for me, it was alcohol, drugs, whatever. Uh, and that our lives had become unmanageable. So I mean, because that's what I hear you saying that my life was unmanageable because of my decisions, but because of your fear, and then two came to believe that only a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, and that's, that's what right. you're saying is, Lord, I, Jesus, I can't do this. That's right. I, this is out of my control. And then you said this so clearly just a moment ago, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God, mm. and that's what you said. If all I have is Jesus, is that three? Is that step three? Yeah, that's the third step. Wow, that's all I have, right? And I think that. Um, you know, and again, that's 
that's that's what you did. I'm, you know, you and only did it the different, you know, the first well, three look steps. At that. You know, well, it's because we're all addicts. And yeah, that's, well, that's no, true. It, it's, it's, it's true. So true. Yeah, it's because true. We, and after he, he came back and we were talking, and then I, you know we were talking with a guy who's struggling with sex addiction, and it was creepy because I had walked with Aaron through his thing, and he's telling me all his stuff, and then as this dude said, okay, now I'm going to share my stuff with the, this group of guys. The similar, I would look at Aaron, like I'd turn look at him because the same phrases, the yeah. same craziness, the same, and but then it started to expose me. I began to recognize my fear of man, my performance mentality, stuff. Like I'm addicted. Yeah, I get it too. So that's why that's what I do love about the AA thing. And um, I remember Aaron saying, "Man, I came to one of these meetings, and this woman was just sitting at the coffee station or whatever. This is all pre-COVID." And uh, she's like, I'm so glad that you're here, you know? And, but this is the way he described it to me was so authentic and like so real because we're all jacked and we all need help and here we are. And he's like, I just wish church could be like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just like, yeah, why can't we all be like it? Because we're all jacked. Yeah, seriously. We're all there because we need help. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this, it turns into this weird thing like you're out there and right. you need me and you need help. And it's like, screw that, we're all jacked. Yeah. And, and we're really looking at each other like, thank God you're here because we all need help. Yeah. I need you and you need me. I do. I still, honestly, I do wish church was more like an AA yeah, or an no, NA meeting because every, everybody knows that, hey, we're jacked up and we're all here because we need one another yeah. and we need God. Yeah, we need to start know, by going, power. hi, I'm Dean. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm jacked up. <laughs> this is my addiction. like, hey, <laughs> hey Dean. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, yeah, we're jacked. Yeah, we are. No, it, and, and it's good. And, and and again, out there, I know that there's people, uh, hopefully, that are listening. And you know, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, you know, they may not be your thing, and, and that's totally fine. That's what worked for me. That's what's worked for you know a lot of my friends and you know thousands of other people. The point is that you realize that your life is unmanageable, and you have to do something. You have to, like Dean said, there has to be a third party coming in right. that's going to help you to get healthy but you're gonna you're gonna want it and I guess my question if you're out there and you're struggling with alcoholism you're struggling with a drug addiction is what would it take or what would it look like if you were to decide to get healthy not saying that you have to commit to doing it right now Mm. but what would it look like like what would it take for you to say I want to stop living like this and make a change just open that window open that door to, to having an alternative uh, and just see what happens, right? And again, if you're if you're a spouse or a family member of somebody who's who's wrestling with addiction, I hope that you found hope in, in our conversation, in 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 all three of our story that it just, these lives converged, um, you know, and um, that uh, we don't want I don't want Karina in, in in my story to be an exception to the rule and. Uh, it sometimes saddens me when people say like, wow, you're so lucky and blessed because that never happens. I'm like, why? Mm. You have to have one friend out there, right? And I know that if you're an addict, you don't think anybody loves you. Nobody can hate you more than you hate yourself. I totally, I know exactly what that feels like. But you are lovable. You're not castaway. You're not throwing, you're not disposable. That you, that you have value and worth, right? And and for that spouse or family member, um, you know, don't live in the shame anymore. You realize that this is unmanageable. It's affecting your life. And just reach out for help. Draw the boundary lines. You know, ask a doctor, ask a professional how you can get your loved one the help that they need, right? And, and come up with a plan and, and do it now. Don't wait. 
you know, tough love, yes, you know, you, you're going to have to draw a boundary line so you're safe, your family's safe, and, and, and they, maybe they can't stay at your house anymore. But while they're gone, find the help that they need. So when they do come back, you can get them into some kind of program, um, some kind of um, a, a, a place, you know, most of the times they have to go to a detox and that takes anywhere from like three to four days, you know, depending on what you're on. Um, and in, in that time, you can get them into a program and get them the help that they need. Um, and um, yeah, that there, that there is hope out there. That's right. Uh, and, I, and I want people to, to realize that, to not give up, you know, to release, like Karina was saying, to release it uh, right. and, and, and get healthy. So Dean, once again, thank you for joining. Yeah, I, thanks for having This is good for me. Appreciate this. Kareem. I should have laid on a couch. Yeah, right? <laughs> so should we be charging? I don't know. Um, I, I can't charge. I owe already too much anyway to you guys. <laughs> You'll so. never, never pay it back. Anyway. You'll never but, pay it back. But thank you, Kareem. So many people have been asking me and texting me. Literally, I literally... That was me. Right, was right, oh, okay. right before we came here, my uh, a good friend of mine, Jason, is like, hey, I just listened to your podcast, man. It's so awesome. And, and When's I'm, your wife and, and he When's end, the real story? He, he ends it with this. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. I can't wait to hear Kareen. Oh, so awesome. people got to hear that. Um, so, um, so yeah, you can um, yeah look for me, Life by the Drop. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, on the Google Play. I think we're on iTunes. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Life by the Drop, Sons mm-hmm. of Lars 88. I, I, I'm, I don't know how social media works because I'm too old. Yeah. But uh, Dean Venmo, can, you know, uh, Kareen's Venmo. Yeah, is. right. <laughs> <laughs> you can pay her. Uh, but uh, I'm somewhere in Twitter as well. Life by the Drop. Look that up as well, I guess. Um, awesome. But we hope that you enjoy it. Give me some feedback. Uh, and we do hope that you guys um, have a great afternoon or night wherever you're at. And we'll be back again maybe next week. And Dean, I think I would like to sit down and talk with you again because you're talking about the amends process. And I think that would be a good thing for people okay. to hear of how the amends process went. It's different for everybody. If, you know, I did it through AA and, and the steps that we had to do to process that to get to the point of making amends. But I think that would be a good conversation for people to hear okay. and hopefully encourage people. Because I know some people wait like, you know, I, I did wait over a year to kind of get those last two <laughs> out of the right. way. Um, and that was I need just, to go to therapy before yeah. we start doing this again. <laughs> but I think that so, might be a good conversation. Text for me us later. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, thank you. Th- thank you for joining us. Life weather drop. Um, we'll be back soon. You guys have a wonderful night.